Know what to eat, but find yourself not eating it. Perhaps you've been on diets and off again, and just wonder why you can't stick to them. The Eating For You podcast, hosted by me, Sally Ann Pisk, will show you what's been missing so you can enjoy a healthier way of eating that lasts. Hi, Sally Ann here, and I'm really excited to be with Angela Mills today. And we're going to be covering a topic that's of great interest to me and I know to other ladies in our community in general as well. And that is how much exercise do we actually have to do to make a difference? And this topic was also prompted, I should talk about as well, the walk to work day, which actually fell on Good Friday. So yes, some people would have been able to walk to work on Good Friday, but many of us would have had a public holiday. And I really like this initiative because it not only helps our health, it helps the health of the planet as well in terms of, you know, not driving a car, not, you know, putting carbon into the air that we don't need to. So it's got lots of lovely benefits. And we've talked about walking before, but there's physical fitness, there's also relaxation, there's breathing, there's so many things that walking can give us. So I'm really interested uh, to learn you know, if walking to work makes a difference. And it was certainly something that I did a few years back. I used to actually walk to catch a bus. And then when the bus got to the suburb where I worked, I then had another 10 minute walk afterwards. So it was a great way to actually incorporate uh, some movement into my day. So Angela, sorry for that long introduction. I know she's sitting here waiting to to have her say. I'm ready to butt in and have my say. Oh, hi, Sally Ann. It's so good to see you. Uh, I'd say, I'd say how, working to work has changed so much, hasn't it, over the last few years, especially with COVID? Because a lot of people, I just realised, would probably not be walking to work because the walk is from the, probably the kitchen to the, to the desk where oh, that is in the room as and well. It, and it's really, so that'll impact some people too. And it's really interesting that you say that because that's part of the promotional materials yeah. for walk to work this year. That is, if you are working from home, mm-hmm. then you know, go for a walk around the block first or around your house a few times. So you're getting that concept of walking to work. Yes. I have to say, I've always been quietly envious of people that can walk to work or at least, you know, combine walking to work with public transport because it's so good to be able to tick off your, I've done my walk for the day, I've got my steps up, you know, it's part of forced into you because of where you work. Yeah. And thanks for mentioning steps because in thinking about this topic today, I didn't actually think about the mm-hmm. step counters. And I know yes. I've done challenges in the past to get my 10,000 steps mm. a day. So in terms of movement, if walking is a main part of what we do, is it still around that 10,000 steps that's recommended? It is recommended. What is quite interesting about the 10,000 steps is that it's never been scientifically, I guess, proven, or it was more or less an arbitrary number that um, I think it was a Japanese sort of exercise physiologist or researcher that came up with, and it seems to have stuck. But it's, it's actually seemed to tick a lot of boxes because 10,000 steps did actually retrospectively turn out to be quite a good number of steps for people to be able to do in the day. And it is something that for most people is quite achievable. And some people get the luxury of being able to walk to work, in which case you may have done your 10,000 steps just in your, in your commute, which is wonderful. But even for the rest of us, it's something that is attainable. You know, even if you can't do that at this point with your current fitness level, it's something that people can work towards down the track and sustain. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, and I think so. I've often joked with ladies in my community when we've talked about increasing how much movement Mm. we have. And there was a while back that I did do a 10,000 steps challenge that I blogged about. And I'd get to the end of the day and I'd still have like 500 steps to do. So I'd just walk around the house. (laughs) (laughs) I got them. And I thought, this is ludicrous. But it was kind of fun at the same time. Well, it's funny. My husband and I had one a while ago. We were doing it. I've just got this image of us. It was late in the evening. We ended up watching a movie on TV. And during the commercial breaks, we're like, oh my gosh, quick, let's get up. So we're running around the house and, and then trying to get back to our couch by the time the TV program started again, trying to squeeze an extra you know, few hundred steps in or, or just jogging on the spot to try and do it. Yeah. But the, the steps are one way. Another, I guess, measure that is very um, common these days is one that's recommended by some of the major health, health organisations, and that's trying to get 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise into your week. Or if you can't do moderate, or if you want to push it, you can do 75 minutes of a higher intensity exercise in your week. And it doesn't, it's not to say that it should be done all in one go. In fact, that's probably not a good thing to be doing. It's better to space it out. But it equates to being the equivalent of, say, 30 minutes of walking five days a week you know, yeah. or, act, or activity of that sort of in intensity. Yeah. And that's another way to think about if, you know, if you don't want to be stuck with a pedometer on your wrist, <laughs> then that's another way of looking at it as a way of trying to reach a, um, what is considered to be a good a good goal. And that one apparently is researched a lot more than the 10,000 <laughs> step one. <laughs> yeah, no, cause it's interesting because I can still remember, mm-hmm. I don't know what year it was, but I attended a seminar down in Melbourne. I was working in Wollongong at the time and it was fabulous. It was actually Gary Edgar um, Mm -hmm. presenting on the steps as well. And it was such a useful thing to be able to you know, use for for myself, mm. but also for my clients yes. um, around. And I remember there was kind of health improvements at around seven and a half thousand steps. Mm. And I think for weight loss and weight healthy weight maintenance, it was around the ten thousand steps. That's right. yes. um, but that's interesting as well that there has never really been a great deal of research on that. On that yeah. But then when you think about that number of steps, then that would fit into probably 30 minutes of continuous exercise. But I I believe that much of the, I guess, the ethos behind the 10,000 steps is that it does... Um, encourage you to be active through the day. And it's that, not just about walking to work, it's it, all the walking we and do. And there has been research, and I, look, I sorry, I couldn't quote it right now, but where it compares, say, two people that end up doing the same number of the steps or burning the same number of calories over a week. One person is desk-bound for the whole week and then does binging of exercise. You know, they hit the gym on the Saturday and they try, you know, on Sunday and they try to do all they can. Comparing that to another person which doesn't do any of that structured gym stuff, but they're more active in their day-to-day movements. So at the end of the week, they end up burning the same amount of calories. And the research that I, I, I recall found out that the person doing a lot more of that incidental exercise ended up being further ahead on their health, you know, in terms of health improvements. And the person that station, you know, was very, very sedentary for most of the week and then just did little bursts. And they're also, and you're also more prone to injuries if you do that, as opposed to someone that's just gently active a lot more during the week. Yeah, no, that's really good. And in terms of other sort Mm -hmm. of guidelines around activity you know in our last episode we talked about the different types of exercise so if we take strength that's Mm -hmm. one question I get asked a lot about and obviously I don't answer it I refer Mm -hmm. you know ladies on uh, to experts in this area but how much strength training or 
sort of strength movement, if you want to call it that, do we need to do to, it. to actually sort of maintain our muscle strength? The guidelines are that we should do at least uh, twice, you know, do strength training at least twice a week. And, and that is, and that's been found to, find, to be the level at which we're actually maintaining a, a good level of, I guess, strength within our body. And that's probably assuming that you're already at a certain point of being, you know, finding that level of, of strength that works for you with your current lifestyle and your age and, and so on. But having said that, it is one thing that you can't really go too overboard with either. You know, it's one of those depends types of scenarios yeah. when it comes to strength training. If you were to say do you know more functional strength training, with, say with weights, you probably would want to limit it to about three times a week. Or if you do love doing it, making sure that you're not working the same you know body areas consistently because your body does need recovery when it comes to strength training and it's in the recovery times mm -hmm. that the actual improvements in your strength happen so if you were doing back-to-back -back strength training sessions every day you're not giving the body recovery time it needs in order to build strength you know and what that does then mean is that you're more likely to actually cause inflammation within your body and ruin all the good progress you've made as well but then again other types of strength training such as say tai chi yoga, Pilates, you're very much working on the types of muscles there which are more your deeper core muscles as well in terms of holding you, you know, controlling your movement and so on. And those types of muscles can tolerate being worked on more regularly. In fact, we work these muscles every day when we're even in an upright position. So they're very different to some of those bigger, say, arm and leg muscles that, you know, that we can really work to extremes and then relax them. You know, our, our torso muscles, our core muscles can actually be worked more frequently. And that's why many people love having that daily Pilates or that daily yoga practice because it works through, you know, there's an element of strength in it, but there's also an element of just clearing your mind as well with oh, that type of movement. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. You know, what, what I find uh, with yoga and I find if I can do it, you know, three to five times a week because I've got this walking program happening at the moment, yeah, it's posture I just find myself yeah. all of a sudden come back into alignment because yeah. I do sit at my desk mm -hmm. a great deal and yeah that clarity in your That's mind right. and that just that relaxation and yeah. peace it's so important to look at all of the benefits of exercise not just being able to walk a certain distance in a certain time or run a certain mm. distance in a certain time it, that's yeah. true. And you mentioned the postural benefits and that's something where that type of training I think is a really good complement to walking because it's very easy to get um, injuries when you're just doing the same type of repetitive exercise all the time, even if it is just walking. And having um, an element of sort of that strength and, and um, I guess core type workout um, really complements it. It helps to negate any potential injuries that might happen because you're constantly working back on improving the alignment in your body through the types of exercises that you're doing. And, and that really helps to, to give you the best of both worlds. You know, you're yeah. getting the benefits of, you know, getting your steps up and getting your heart rate pumping and the rest of it. But at the same time, by incorporating this other strength slash mobility slash flexibility slash core work, you know, core into, into your weekly regime, you're making sure that you're staying, you know, well balanced. Yeah. Respect, yeah. No, and and I think it's it's also about what I found, and I, I did share on a podcast recently with you, was that when I first got back into um, doing this bushwalking after having COVID and not having done much for two weeks, you know, that that pounding heart as I was going up the stairs was a bit off-putting. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, just to reassure listeners, that's not happening for me now. <laughs> uh, but also, the podcast will continue. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, with just doing those two walks a week, mm. and obviously the other activity I do in my day, I've noticed that change. And I and I think this is what's really important. And mm. I talk a lot about this with the ladies I work with in terms of looking for changes with mm. your eating habits, not just focusing on weight or not just focusing on another physical measure, but focusing on what you're picking up from your body. And, you know, that's why I mentioned it, because I have noticed that change in what my body's able to do, what my Mm. heart is able to do while I'm walking, just as we were talking about that peace and relaxation that we can get from Tai Chi, Pilates and yoga. That's right. Could you touch something else on that's quite important? And it's that... um, especially for beginners, where do you start with this? Because you do need that body awareness is really important, especially in the early days, because so many people get injured when they're starting a new fitness regime. And it's and I know myself, I've done it in the past. You know, you've got your target, you want to build up your steps over X number of weeks and do so many steps in the week. And sometimes that's what leads to injuries, especially if you're not complementing that with the other type of fitness, which is more the restorative type you know, sort of exercises as well. And you need to balance the two. You need to listen to your body because sometimes, you know, it's 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 tiring when you're not you haven't done much of this. So you do really need to to I guess uh, cherish and um, and honor the downtime as well that your body is asking for. But just as important is to maintain that consistency so that you are con- you know you're not just doing going for a walk and then leaving for two weeks before you do your next work. The benefits are only going to come by having a consistent routine of doing, you know, so trying to do your two walks or three walks a week and your two, you know, strength um, sessions a week and so on. And the other thing too that's also very important is, especially for people coming back from injury or who haven't done anything for a long time, is to go and see uh, either a personal trainer or an exercise physiologist if you're coming back from an injury of some type because those patterns you pick up in those early days of getting back into your routine, if they're not right, will come back to haunt you possibly later with injuries. So just making sure that you're moving well and if not, that you've got someone that can give you some corrective exercises and things to bring your awareness to how you should be doing moves. And and it could be even how you walk. You know, if people feel that walking's giving them pain, will actually help you to be able to be more consistent and start to you know get the benefits yeah. over it in the long term. And and it's something Angela that I talk about a lot too with changing eating habits and getting mm-hmm. back into a healthier way of eating is just literally one step at a time. And of course with exercise that's literally literally one step is. at a time. <laughs> <laughs> literally, literally what it is. Um, so Angela again, thank you for all of this information but also the practical tips that you get us to think about with mm-hmm. movement and as we're talking about you know consistency is a really important part of any lifestyle change but especially supporting regular movement and you have a wonderful resource on offer. I, I do I have, I have a, an activity tracker which I think is actually quite a good one because it's not a, a typical linear one it's one that really sets you up to just find joy in the being able to tick the boxes over time. And I do have a link that I'll pass to you, Sally Ann. So if, you, uh, if you'd like to share that with your listeners, um, people can just go and download that, you know, for free from my website. And it does touch on the fact that creating any habit, whether it's with uh, the type of, you know, your eating regime or your movement regime is, is quite important to actually try and actually look at how this is going to fit into your existing life because you're much more likely to succeed with it if you can actually 
create a habit that is sustainable down the track. Yeah. And that's where something like this habit tracker is quite good because there's joy in being able to tick the box when you've done something and um, and also just to measure it over time. So that's right. know, even if you don't do it every day, at least you're starting to see those positive trends in the long term. And those positive trends, uh, whether it's with exercise or eating, mm. that's what gives us the motivation to keep going as well because we're seeing that we're actually doing it. So Absolutely, I yeah. really love this resource um, mm-hmm. that's on offer. So Angela, a pleasure as always. Thanks for this uh, wonderful, insightful and practical. Well, thanks for having me on the podcast again, sally It's always good fun to, to come and have a good <laughs> chat. And she does make a lovely herbal tea for me as well while I'm here, listeners, just so you know. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I do try and keep her hydrated but, and, and her, her voice box lubricated while she's talking and <laughs> sharing you. so much valuable information. <laughs> Bye for now. And I look forward to sharing with you again next week. You have been listening to the Eating For You podcast with Sally-Ann Pisk. If you are looking for a resource to guide you in a lifelong way of eating, then take a look at the Eating For You book. I have included the link to the book in this episode's notes.